welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. I do want to say this, though, to all the fathers in the room, happy Father's Day. Dads, y'all are awesome. You guys are awesome. And I love, I, love, I love being a dad. I love being a man. Thank you for clarifying that. I'm so glad it was clarified that I was a man because that's the only real way you'll be a father anyway. So, um, Right. Yeah, he did it. He went there. The man carries the seed. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> but I love being a dad. I love being a father. Uh, got nearly a two-year-old boy in August. He'll be turning two. He's my little guy too, man. Um. Man, he'll sneak up on you. You didn't even know that he was there. But he is mighty. I mean, he just, he can grab things and climb on things. And um, yesterday I was in my garage and I got a pull-up bar. And, and my kids, whenever they see the pull-up bar, they want us to pick them up for them to grab the pull-up bar. So my daughter will grab it for two seconds and she'll be like, yeah, I'm done. Just hold me up there while I hold it. Can you do all the work for me, Dad? But my little guy, he wants me to hold him up, and as soon as he grabs it, he starts, like, shaking his hips, meaning, like, get your hands off me. I'm going to show you how much I can flex. And, I mean, he must have dangled there for about 10 seconds. And then just to add extra to the moment, I was like, let's see if he's into a trust fall. So he just let go, and I caught him. And then he looks up and points again. That was fun. Let's do it again. I mean, he stares at danger right in the face. I've never seen a kid get so beat up in my life. It's like he gets knocked down and then he gets up again. And it just keeps on moving. And, and, and it's, it's awesome. So I love my boy because at the end of the day, he, he really is a love bug. He's so sweet. You know, I call him, he's my bear. Uh, he's like, he's just my little care bear. And then I've got my ball of fire, Saya. <laughs> that you don't know what she's going to say. At any given moment, she's going to give you several slices of her mind, give you several pieces of her mind. You don't get one piece of her mind. You get several. It's coming at you, and she'll let you know. So all I'm telling you is, if you see this little blonde bomber running around, be on your toes, because she will call you out. <laughs> but I love my children, and at the end of the day, they are a reflection of me and my wonderful wife, sometimes more of me. She was right, yesterday we were roughhousing. They just wanted to get on our bed and me just like throw them. There's just, I don't, what is it about kids that just want to be tossed? When you come up and try and toss me right now, you, you're really, <laughs> I'll show you what a man I am. <laughs> kids just want to be thrown, but I love them. So that's enough about me and my children. Happy Father's Day, dads. Uh, it's a great day to be at church with y'all. Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to, Turn our attention to Psalm 23 as we continue uh, our series today. Uh, how many of you have been enjoying the series? It's been, I think it's just been awesome. Again, those that are with us for the first time today, we welcome you to Abundant Life Church. It is such a joy 
that you would take part of your weekend to be here with us at Abundant Life. For those of you that don't know, again, my name is Sean, and uh, my wife and I, we have the great privilege uh, to, to lead the church as the senior pastors. And, and, and so we're just so grateful, though, that you would give your weekend to be with us here. We've been in a series. Uh, now this is week five on Psalm 23. And uh, when we set out to teach this series... Uh, to be honest with you, I, I was under the impression that we would probably teach it over two or three weeks. But as we continue to progress, the Lord really pressed it on my heart to take our time and go line upon line. And each week as we have, have, have dialed into the text of Psalm 23, there has been a, a, a different perspective and angle that the Lord has revealed that I believe has only allowed us as the church to become stronger, has only allowed our faith to become greater, has only allowed us to see at the end of the day that as we've been reading in Psalm 23, that the good shepherd, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he is with us in all things, through all things, for all things, because our God is a good God, our God loves us, and our God wants to, help me out church, bless us. God wants you to know that he's a good God. That he loves you and that he wants to bless you. And so Psalm 23 is illustrating the, the passageway in which the good shepherd is leading the sheep from the sheepfold to a place that is called the table. And as we go throughout the lines of text, we find out eventually that there is a table that is prepared for you and for me. Now put aside the fact that it's in the presence of enemies. The reality is this, is that God has a table prepared for you. The Lord has a seat with your name on it. And what he's placed on that table is above and beyond anything you could ask or think. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this, Now he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that you could ask or think. The Lord has got abundance and blessing and greatness and purpose beyond what your natural mind could comprehend. That's why he talks about a cup that runs over because he wants you to be so full of what he has that you're overflowing and pouring out. But we're not talking about the cup today. We're not even talking about the table today. In fact, where we are in Psalm 23 is the halfway point of the journey in which the shepherd is leading the sheep. We're going to take a look at verse 4 today, and this is the, the halfway mark. And, and how many know as... The, the, the passage starts in verse 1, says the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want, right? So the shepherd's not going to leave you in a place of lack. He's not going to leave you in a place of want. We understand that the attributes of, of the shepherd is that he is one that protects, directs, and provides. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, he frees me from all conditions that would make me feel afraid or timid or skittish or when I'm tired. He allows me to come to a place that I can have rest and reprieve 
to the point where no matter what's going on around me, there is a stillness on the inside of me. No different than when Jesus was asleep in the, in, in, in the boat and the disciples were freaking out, but the Lord was asleep in the boat even though the raging wind and the waves and the storm seemed absolutely chaotic, Jesus was in a restful place. And the disciples, even in that story, come to Jesus and, and they say to, to Jesus, what are we going to do? We're going we're gonna to perish. And Jesus rebukes the winds and the waves. He, he frees the disciples of all the conditions that would cause them to be in fear, that would cause them to tremble. Why? So that they can be in a restful place. Just refreshing you this morning a little bit. And so what we see is that as we go from verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures, that now he leads me beside still waters, and the still waters is really the place that the Lord wants us to be refreshed. Lord wants you to be refreshed in the things of him. This is why we are going on this freedom fast starting tomorrow because what it is is it's saying that I'm not going to be filled with the things of the world. I'm going to draw close to God and I'm going to be refreshed with the things of the Spirit. Because the spiritual things are life-giving. Earthly things are life-destroying. And that's why even the Bible talks about the fact that the treasures that we have, they need to be kingdom treasures because the treasures of this world are only going to be filled with things of, 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 of rust and moth and it's going to perish. But let my treasure be in spiritual things and heavenly things because that is life-giving. And when I allow the Lord to restore my soul, when I allow my spirit to be restored and to be refreshed, it allows me to know that I can keep on moving. You could be totally broken down in your body, but if your soul is restored and your soul is refreshed, it'll give you something to fight for, which means your body will get life again and you'll keep on moving. You ever seen somebody in, in, in playing, it could be any sport, football, basketball, baseball, you get to the end of the game, their bodies are fatigued, they're worn out, but the game's on the line, maybe it's a, maybe it's a tied game, and all of a sudden there's something in their soul that gets refreshed, they get the fight, they get the drive, that causes their body, even though their body's worn out, to get life again so that they can push just a little bit further. There's something about when your soul is restored and your, your spirit is refreshed in the things of God. It gives you something to fight for because the life of an individual is found in the soul. Your drive, your appetite for life, it's found. And the Lord wants you to know that he will restore your soul so that you can keep moving. But where am I moving towards? Because we find out now that he's leading me on a path, on a right path. By the way, he says, I'm leading you on paths of righteousness, not paths that are easy. I want you to catch this. Paths of righteousness, even though I'm in right standing with the Lord, doesn't mean that it's going to be an easy path. He never promised that salvation means that your life was going to become easy. But salvation in Jesus is that your life would be fruitful. And good fruit is going to require a pruning. Good fruit is going to require a discipline. Good fruit is not going to come with ease, but I will tell you this, it is worth it. And so the right path is the path in which I remain close to the Lord. So that even when it looks like danger that might present itself when I'm close to God, he will show me how to get over or around or through whatever that circumstance is. So what is that circumstance? 
We find it in verse 4, and this is where we're going to pick up today. He says this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm going to read this one more time. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, to make sure that we approach this text appropriately, I'm going to split up verse 4 into two parts. Next week, we're going to focus on the rod and the staff, but today I want to talk to you about valleys and shadows. Valleys and shadows. He says, yea, though I walk, understand this, the word yea is not, yea, I can't wait to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The word yea means often. It means routinely, repetitively. So if we were to put that word in there, often I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice how he says that I walk, I do not run, I do not skip, I do not drive, I walk. To walk means that I am taking a steady pace every step of the way. Have you ever tried to run on uneven ground? If you try to run on uneven ground, you're likely to trip and fall, correct? So what do I do on uneven ground? I walk. My wife and I, when we travel, we love to go on hikes. And when we hike, we can't run to the top because there are rocks and there are, there, there, there are sticks and there are, there are holes in the ground. And if we try to run and we step into it, we are liable to twist a knee, to break an angle, to have some type of injury. So David says, I understand this. So often I make myself, in the, I, I take a steady pace through the valley. I'm taking inventory of my surroundings so that I don't misstep. What I want to tell you this morning is this, is that the devil wants you to get so excited about your blessing and your purpose and everything that God has for you that you're just willing to run as fast as you can. There's this thing in sports, it's called redlining. Redlining means I go maximum effort as fast as I can, as quick as I can, but if I exhaust myself so quick, I redline, which means I've got no more else to give. And it's easy for me to break down and give up. The Lord does not want you to redline it in your purpose and in your walk. He wants you to go step by step. He wants you to pace steadily Take inventory of your surrounding so that when the enemy tries to come to steal, to kill, to destroy, when the devil tries to come in like a lion roaming around, you are on high alert. You're able to see your surroundings, which means you're not going to be reactive in the valley. You're going to be able to respond. And there's too many people in the body of Christ, we get reactive rather than respond. The Bible says this. It says that I need to be quick to listen slow to speak, be easily angered, don't allow myself to get frustrated with emotions, but allow myself to be paced so that I can respond in faith. You hearing this this morning? 
So David says, often I steadily pace through the valley. Now let's talk about the valley. A valley is the low place. Valleys are steep. Valleys are narrow. The valley is the low point. You can't get to the top of the mountain until you go through the valley. Everyone will walk through a valley in life. And if you don't believe me, even Jesus himself went to the valley until he ascended to the mountaintop. For the Bible says this, is that after he was crucified and gave his last breath on the cross, where did he go? He descended down to hell to the valley in which through the valley he resurrected himself and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. So even Jesus himself understands what it is to go through the valley. We all will go through valleys. But catch this. The Bible says it is the valley of death. No, it doesn't say that. It says it is the valley of the shadow of death. So it's important that you separate the two for a second. Because a valley is a place that when shepherds would lead their sheep, it was an area that was gathered of many different rocks and, and boulders. There is, in fact, still water, by the way, that flowed through the valley. The valley was the quickest way to go up to the mountaintop. And the reason why shepherds would not take sheep across the mountaintop is because he knew if he did this that the sheep were liable to fall off the cliff. The Lord does not want any of his children to fall off the cliff. And even though the valley might seem a little bit more dangerous, it is a more of a secure path to travel because he knows that if you trust him, and you know that he is with you, he will get you to the other side, he will get you to the mountaintop. Which, by the way, the valleys of life is the place where your character is developed. The valley is the place where there are cuts in the ground for water to flow. It's important that our lives, in some ways, is representative of a valley. It's the cuts, it's the digs, it's the things that we go through in life that allows our character to be developed. But just because you might have gone through a hardship or a difficulty doesn't mean that you need to be closed off and separated. No, it's the cuts in the valley that lets the water flow. It's the things and the hardships and the trials in life that allows my faith to flow greater. You hear me this morning? So valleys are necessary. And the shepherd understands that as he's leading the sheep through the valley, that it's going to be a challenge. It's not going to be easy. But the shepherd understands that if we can go through the valley step by step, and if I can keep the sheep close to me, which by the way, in the valley, the shepherd is closest to his sheep. He is closest to his sheep in the valley, and he is walking with them. It says this in verse 3, you lead me in paths of righteousness, which means he's in it with us. The Lord is in it with you. The Lord's not saying you're on your own, and when you fail, I'll come in and help you out. He's saying, I am in it with you every step of the way. I lead you in this path, through this valley you got to understand, though, that a valley, by the way, a valley is very, very, 
very steep, and it is very, very narrow. Very narrow. A valley is a place of, of, of the squeeze. It's the place that as you're traveling through it, it's going to get real tight. But what does Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? I might be hard-pressed on every side, but I am not crushed. I might be perplexed, but I am not in despair. I might be persecuted, but I am not forsaken. I might be knocked down, but I'm not destroyed. I'm here to tell you today, the valley is hard. The valley is not easy, and some of you have gone through valleys of your life, valleys of sickness and valleys of loss and, and valleys of brokenness, maybe, maybe, maybe valleys where you've lost your job, maybe, maybe valleys where your marriages have struggled. All of us have gone through valleys, but yea, though I walk through the valley, I'm not stopping in the valley, I'm not parking my, my, my vehicle in the valley, I'm not setting up my tent in the valley, I'm not building a house in the valley, I'm going through the valley. Which means there is greatness on the other side of the valley. Often. Anybody gone through some valleys before? You thought the first time that you were done, you were out, it crushed you. I ain't doing that again. And what you realized is when you trusted the Lord and you got on the other side of it, well, I guess the valley wasn't so bad. I don't prefer to go through it, but if another valley presents itself, I'll know how to do it a little bit better the next time. Often, though, I go through the valley. He's not saying the only time I go through. We're going to go through it multiple times, but often I'm not going to fear. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. No, I've got faith in the good shepherd who is leading me because his steps for me are ordered of the Lord. His steps for me are God-ordained. So as long as I trust him, he's not going to lead me to fail. So he says, yea, though I go through, walk through the valley. Now the, the valley is narrow, and Jesus talks about this in Matthew 7, verse 13. If we have that scripture, I want to put that up on the screen this morning. I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus says this. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. Did you catch that? Narrow is the difficult way which leads to life. Narrow. The valley is narrow. Oftentimes, when people are talking about valleys according to, to history and, 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 and according to uh, uh, different studies, they will liken valleys to gates because there is a wall of a mountain on one side and the wall of a mountain on the other, and it presents itself almost as a gate or a passageway in which you walk through. It's very narrow. It's very steep. It is hard. And Jesus says this is that when it comes to the gates, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the gate that's difficult, but it leads to life. I want to encourage you. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Just because I go through a wide gate, it doesn't mean I'm destroyed. Because destruction doesn't come to the end of the path. 
And many of us, we don't even realize we're on a destructive path, on a wide path, until we get to the end. When we were growing up, uh, we used to take family vacations, and we would go to Steamboat, Colorado. We would go snow skiing. And um, we loved doing this. We would always go, I think it was like in January, we would do this trip. And uh, this, this one particular trip, I must have been seven or eight years old, and, and man, we were skiing on this wide open slope. And I was going fast, and, and I was having so much fun going down the slope, but all of a sudden, I hear this loud shout from my parents, stop, you're going to go off the cliff. Now, at a distance, it just looked like it was white, snowy slopes that was going on for miles and miles and miles. I couldn't see that I was coming to the edge that was going to lead me to destruction. And the problem is, is that we can't see the destruction that comes from sin while we're in it because we're having so much fun that we're going, we're going, we're going, we're going, we're going, but destruction comes at the end of that time of sin. James even talks about this in the book of James. Is that he says temptation's gonna come, but don't allow it to conceive evil desires because out of the evil desire is gonna come sin, and out of that sin's gonna come destruction. I'm helping you today because some of you are allowing your minds to go through the wide gate of destruction, thinking every thought, doing everything, allowing your life to be whatever feels good. Because we're in the generation of feeling today. Whatever feels right is. What I'm going to do, whatever feels right is what I'm going to be. Whatever feels right is how I'm going to react. But the Lord says, no, you don't need to be reactive. You need to be responsive or responsible by going through the narrow gate. Why do most people don't go through the narrow gate? Because it costs you. And ain't nobody want to do anything that's going to cost them time. It's going to cost them discipline, correction. And that's why the shepherd is there to help you along the way. Most people don't even realize that they're going through the wide gate that leads to destruction. If I were to tell you this morning that there was a crisis and we all needed to evacuate the building, which we don't. And everybody decided to get up and evacuate through the doors in the back of the auditorium. But the crisis was actually on the other side of the back doors of the auditorium. And the only real way out was the one side doors to my left and, and your right. Now, if everybody got up and went out those back doors, guess what? Everyone's going to follow. Correct? But if the only real way getting out of here and away from danger was through the one narrow door to my left and your right, most people aren't even going to look at it. Why? Because we're following the traffic patterns. Most people don't realize that they're on a wide path to destruction because we're following the traffic patterns of the world. It's not that you're seeking to be in sin. It's not that you're seeking to live in sin, but you're seeing that everybody else is doing it and you're thinking that's the way to go. So therefore, we compromise our value systems, our belief systems. We compromise what the Word of God says so that we can fall in line with what the world says. And before you know it, we've got all this political, economic, all this mess that's on our hand, and we don't even know what to believe. But let me tell you, the narrow gate is right here. And if you can allow yourself to be inserted through this gate, the living word of God, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It is going to be challenging. But the more that I allow myself to go through this narrow gate, it's going to be life-giving. So I've got to go through the narrow gate. 
It's not the easy gate. It's not the obvious gate that everyone else is going through. But it is the right gate that leads to life. The valley is the gate that's going to lead you to the table. You can't get to the table that he has prepared for you without going through the valley. Now, it's important to understand. It's not that God's trying to make your life hard. It's not that he's trying to inflict or afflict your life with things that should make you feel like you have to struggle. But we live in a world that is broken. And it's inevitable. We're all going to go through things. But the reality is this, is God knows that. And he says, stay close to me and I will lead you through the valley. Because on the other side of it, there is the table. It's important to understand that the good shepherd's the one that's leading you through the valley. I want to read you this scripture this morning. He says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if you live according to the spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body. And here's the part that I want to get focused on is verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God, for as many are led by the spirit of God. The more I am routinely led by the Spirit of God, yea, though I walk through the valley, often as I walk through the valley, I fear no evil because you're with me, because you're leading me, as the Spirit is consistently and constantly leading me, routinely, I have nothing to be afraid of. This past week while we were out of town, um, my son he's not used to sleeping in other environments regularly. He'll, he'll go to my parents' house from time to time, so he's comfortable in that environment. But he doesn't take rest in, in, in other environments because it's not normal to his life. So while we were away the first night, I mean, that poor little buddy, he was irate, he was upset. Mom, Dad, how dare you put me in a crib in a place that I do not even know. This is uncomfortable. I don't like it. And I mean, he must have screamed till like 2 a.m., keeping up the entire house that we were staying in, and no one could go to sleep. And finally, he just, he gave up and he passed out. And you know what I love, too? You know what I love about, like, like little, little children? When, what is it when they sleep? They put their little butt in the air. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all miss that? It's the same butt you got to clean like 20 minutes later. <laughs> Might not miss it too much. Oh, man, he was face planted, little booty, little mountain. <laughs> but that first night, he just went on and on and on. Because it wasn't his normal environment. So the next night, we repeated the process again, and we put him in. This time, the fuss was cut down in half. By the third night, less of a fight. By the last night, he went to sleep soundly. So what are you illustrating, Pastor? What I'm trying to tell you is this, is the more that the Spirit leads me routinely, 
At first I'm fussing because, God, it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. This valley, it's pressing me on all sides. It's, 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 it's not normal to my life. It doesn't feel good. It feels uncomfortable. I don't like being here. But the more that I'm led routinely by the good shepherd, the more that the fear subsides, the more that my trust is in him because he is allowing the environment in which he's leading me into to be covered and to be protected and, and, and to be one that he's with me. You know why? Because when we were on this trip... We were but maybe one room away. My son was still in the presence of his father. Even though it was a different environment, I was still with him. The more you let the Spirit lead you, and the problem is this, when we get out of a Spirit-led routine, we become restless. And some of you are here this morning in your life, this year, instead of it being greater, has become restless. I'm here to tell you the only way that you are going to have a greater life is when you let the Spirit continually, routinely lead you. You can't just jump into it on Sundays. You can't just jump into it on Wednesday nights. You can't just jump into it in a semi-annual fast. Now, these things are good, and they're necessary to draw close back to God. But every day you have to be led by the Spirit of God. When I'm led by the Spirit of God, it's what allows me to walk in the identity of God because he says, those that are led by the Spirit, these are the sons. These are the daughters. These are the children of God. And so the shepherd leads the sheep in such a way that the sheep trust and follow. I even encourage fathers, how are you leading your households? What is the environment and the culture that you're creating? Because if it's one that is not life-giving and life-producing, you are going to have the sheep of your household scattered, afraid, seeking for direction and leadership elsewhere. I will tell you this, that fathers, what you are first and foremost of your house is a leader. You are a leader. You are the shepherd of your house. And if I taught anything on the first week of this, it was that a shepherd, he protects, he directs, he provides. I've preached this. It's not just what you provide on the table, but it's also what you provide around the table. Children need nourishment emotionally, socially, around the table. Not just the food that you're putting on it, but what's being provided around it. And so how you lead your house will determine the way in which your children and your house will walk. So the valley. But then the Bible says that there's the shadow. Now, I want to just simplify this. The shadow... Yea, though I walk, often though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow represents presence. The presence of danger, extreme danger, evil. Have you ever been in a place where you just felt the presence was heavy? Like a shadow was looming over the situation. You could go into the office one day and everything is like just... Easy peasy, nice, great, joyful, light filled. But then someone can come in the very next day and bring in a spirit of heaviness and it overshadows everything that was joyful and exciting the day before. 
It's a shadow of heaviness. It's a shadow that, that poses as extreme danger. But I want to tell you this is that in the Bible there are two types of shadows. There is the shadow of death and there is a shadow of life. The shadow of death is the one that we're talking about here in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What is the shadow of death in the context of what's going on here? Well, as shepherds were leading sheep through the valleys, they had the presence of danger. You had all kinds of different uh, wild animals, whether it be bears and whether it be lions or, 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 or different animals, beast infested. Uh, a place was in the valley where these animals would come out and they would look as to how that they could begin to kill and attack the sheep. It was the presence of danger. Oftentimes, as shepherds would lead the sheep through the valley, because it was at the low point, sheets of snow would come off the cliff, and it would fall down on top of the sheep, causing them to be absolutely soaked. And sheep are able to die from hypothermia. They're able to get cold really, really quick because their skin is thin. That's why the wool has to be thick. And if the wool is not...
Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.